I don't go near cliff edges that don't have a safety railing. That's obviously a good thing that nature has dropped into us. Fears like the fear of social interaction or maybe like a fear of being vulnerable. Fear on that level is bad, but good can come from it. Overcoming a fear can leave you feeling incredibly good. You can say like, hey, I absolutely overcame my fear to reach out to someone who I've wanted to be friends with, or maybe that fear of opening up to someone. You used a bad thing and made good come from it. Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast from Real FM. Here's Anson, Kara, and Isaac. Hello and welcome to episode three of season two of Real Talk with Anson, Kara, and Isaac. And this is that part of the show where there's normally an awkward pause and I don't really know what to say next. Uh But I think I'm going to go with this one this time. It's Anson, Kara and Isaac. And together we are Uh, the three amigos. Have you guys seen that movie? Uh, no. This no. is the one with Steve Martin and Martin Short. Yes. 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 I have. And Chevy yes. Chase. Yes. You nice. haven't seen The Three Amigos, Kara? No. Oh, my Sorry. goodness. It's so <laughs> good. Like We're going to have to have a Three Amigos watch party. Yes. It's really good. Yeah. Let's yeah. do it. It's about three friends who go on an adventure. <laughs> amigos, you would say. Yes. <laughs> yes. And they... They don't make a podcast, but they do other adventurous <laughs> stuff that's kind of like that. Okay, cool. So we totally are occupying that space right now. Yes. Um, Glad we replaced that awkward silence with <laughs> awkward conversation. Yeah, I totally <laughs> fixed that, didn't Perfect. I? <laughs> Problem solved. Done. All right, we'll try again next time. Real Talk is a show where we get real about everything from the ridiculous to the inspiring. Today, we are talking about fears and phobias. And I kind of just want to say fears and phobias because there's alliteration there, even though I'm pretty sure those two words mean (laughs) the exact same thing. Start with different letters. So it's pretty Mm. redundant. I actually was thinking yesterday, maybe we should title the episode fear of phobias because who isn't afraid of being afraid? Uh, Oh, wow. That's deep. We got deep way too early. (laughs) (laughs) Chew on that for a little bit. Okay. In the meantime, let's go to our shameless plug for this week. And here's what I wanted to bring up this week, guys. I was looking at our reviews for uh, Real Talk on iTunes and Google Play, Mm -hmm. and it didn't take me very long because we don't have any. (laughs) No. No reviews. Sad day. So we don't know how we're, I mean, we could be doing really well, we could be terrible, and we would never know (laughs) because no one said anything, good or bad. True. So here's what I was thinking for the shameless plug this week. If you could help us out by logging on to your podcast platform of choice. If you're an iOS person, you can log on to iTunes or whatever the heck it is you guys do for your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Or if you're on the superior platform, Android. Oh, wow. Just had to sneak that in there. And you want to go on to Google Play and leave us a review there. That would be most appreciated because we'd love to spread the word about Real Talk and share it with other people. And uh, getting some reviews on there is one way that's really going to help us in the podcast listings to help people find us discover real talk and uh, maybe join us for the next episode so leave us a review preferably a good one you know but i'll leave that part up to you let us know how we're doing because we just love your feedback too yeah it's an opportunity for us to improve and get better and and make the show better so that's the shameless plug for this week let's go straight to what we're into this week and i think we kind of have a special edition of what we're into this week is that right guys Uh, oh my gosh olympics man (laughs) The one thing I've been really into is the Olympic origin stories. So you have all of these athlete hype videos that happen when they're going into an event. Uh My girl, Erin Jackson, she's 25. She became the first black woman to make an Olympic team for long track speed skating. Here's the thing, though. She only practiced for four months on ice before making the Olympic team. That's incredible. The background, she's been a inline speed skater for her whole life. So she's been doing it on concrete. Right. She was even a roller derby bruiser. What? (laughs) And if you don't know what the roller derby is, it's skating, but you're hitting each other. (laughs) (laughs) It's like skating and boxing combined. She's amazing. And she is on our speed skating team. And I've been following all these stories like that. And Mm -hmm. they give you these dramatic stories of this young girl was raised by wolves. And she's now... (laughs) 
she now competes on figure skating for America. And I'm like, yeah, she does. Yeah. I'm just a total nerd for character development and yeah. backstory. Mm-hmm. Like what got people there. And the Olympics yeah. are so inspiring in that way because of the amount of work oh, required, yeah. I feel yeah. like. Yeah. It's easy to look at the Olympics because for us, they just show up every four years. Right. And right. we just get to enjoy two weeks of it. And then we forget that curling is a thing oh, yeah. <laughs> for a few years until it shows up again in the next yeah. Olympics. Right. But all of these athletes, <laughs> they don't have the luxury. Most of them. I mean, maybe there's a few that start doing it four months before it starts, Which is but crazy. it seems like, you know, most of them, they're training for years yeah. and years and working so yeah. hard and pouring their lives into it. I, I don't even remember the name of the person, but I heard one of these origin stories about one lady uh, who's in the Olympics competing this year. And she's been engaged for like five years because her and her fiance decided that they were going to put off their marriage because they wanted to spend the next four years training <gasps> for the Olympics. What oh, a good reason. And then they would get married after that because they were <laughs> wow. so busy basically with the Olympics. They didn't have time to get married. I mean, wow. so they're literally yeah. putting their entire lives on hold. Yeah. Wow. It's That's insane. so crazy. Well, the thing that I have been into this week is which i kind of hinted at it the sport of curling ah yes partially because when i go home or when i'm watching the olympics here at work that's like the daytime olympics (laughs) sport (laughs) yep you know in normal daytime tv they have soap operas and stuff during the olympics daytime tv is curling (laughs) (laughs) it has the same amount of drama i was about to say yeah intrigue as the soaps do (laughs) it's just really fascinating and i've noticed that i kind of go on this journey with curling over the course of the Olympics, like I hinted at over uh, several years between the Olympics, I really forget that curling even exists mm. until yes. it kind of shows up again. And at that point, I'm like, OK, I don't remember anything about the sport <laughs> and how it works. And so I'm literally sitting there, you know, with my drink on the couch, watching curling and going what even is this? Like, wh- <laughs> why am I watching this? This is weird. Honestly, it's kind of boring. Yeah. Not really sure I get this. And then like a day later, I'm sitting there and I'm watching it and I'm like explaining the rules to Dree because I've Googled <laughs> all of them. And I now, you know, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, the center thing, that's the button. And they try to get the uh, the rock on the button. Oh, the rock is the thing that they throw, by the oh. way. It could also be called a stone. And the <laughs> team that gets it closest to the button earns the points. And yeah. you try to set up like protectors out front you know and i'm like getting all into the strategy and then like a week into it i'm like a diehard curling fan (laughs) and i'm sitting there like screaming like sweep at at my tv you know sweep sweep with the people that are uh, actually doing it you know because they always yell yeah i don't know why they yell because it seems like it's always really quiet bark at each other but they're just screaming at each other and i totally get into it by the end of it (laughs) yeah so now i'm i'm approaching like curling fanatic phase oh man been enjoying watching curling during the winter olympics this year oh my what i'm into the olympics edition is figure skating of course because i feel like a six-year-old girl again every time i watch it their dresses really are that sparkly (laughs) and Mm -hmm. they really do jump that high and it really is that magical and i mean you bring the costumes the music the skill all of it together and it's just Oh, yes, I remember. This is what shaped me as a child. (laughs) Not like every little girl's dream at some point or another to be a figure skater. It seems like the perfect combination of like grace and beauty and (laughs) princessy sparkles. But then also like incredible skill. Like now I'm watching and I'm like, wow, these people, they got some skills. They're not just I went roller skating a couple weeks ago. And it was really scary. <laughs> and now I'm watching these people on these paper thin blades oh, like, yeah, land yeah. in these like triple jumps. You know, it's just insane the amount of skill that goes into it. But it's also just really there's something just really magical about it. I just get all wrapped up in it and it brings back such good memories. Yeah. And I, I feel like the Olympics for me are about things that were happening during those times when I was watching the Olympics, you know, it's like a way of marking your life almost. Mm. It's really interesting. So figure skating is the super memorable one for me. Those are the people that I remember from past Olympics, like Tara Lipinski, who's now like a commentator. I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I remember like Michelle Kwan and all these people. I remember watching those people with my family and that being such a big deal. So it's cool. And, you know, even now I'm like, there's things happening in my life that I'm like, I'm going to remember this because I'm remembering these particular people and, you know, these skaters and what was happening. And so far, my favorite figure skating moment was the couple's ice dancing. So I was watching just kind of casually the other night. And then this couple comes on the ice that I recognized. And I was like, oh, wait, 
these guys are awesome. I forgot. <laughs> and so some other people had just danced and were like, oh, they're pretty good. That was nice. And then Scott Moyer and Tessa Virtue come out on the ice. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? They're the Tessa Canadian Virtue. The Canadian ice dancers, ice dancers yeah. that are like legendary mm-hmm. okay. and have won the gold many times before. And they come out and do their program. And then you're like, well, everyone else is terrible because <laughs> Tessa Virtue and Scott Moyer. I mean, oh my gosh. I can't get over that name, Tessa I know, Virtue. isn't it funny? It's, it's a good it's ice great. dancer name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they did the, the Moulin Rouge yes. thing, didn't and they? Yeah. It, they did. And they're just, they're amazing. It was just insane. I watched it and I was like, that's what I'm talking about right there. Speaking of graceful ice skaters and people being magicians on the ice in their sparkly (laughs) costumes, my swagger scale this week, the portion of the show where we own our awkwardness, I have a story for you guys. Okay. This took place on a um, Saturday. Everything over here iced over. The roads were shut down Mm -hmm. in my city. Everything was just garbage. It was terrible. (laughs) I was willing to venture out into the cold to get me and my wife just cheap pizza for the night. We were watching the Olympics on TV. Yes. Mm -hmm. I make my way across town to a cheap, I mean, I'm talking like you're surrounded by college and high school kids when you go there. It's Uh super cheap pizza. And that day, I kind of cursed myself because I was watching the Olympics and there's a couple of people snowboarding that day. And I was like, I could do that. Like, I have good balance. I'm a good <laughs> snowboarder. Like, I'm good on I ice and, you know, Famous snow. last words. Right. <laughs> so I think when I said that, the universe was like, boom, you're going to fall today. So <laughs> watch this. I get to this place. Having watched all of these athletes in this graceful, snowy landscape do all of these cool things. <laughs> I am um, in Arkansas outside of a cheap pizza place, <laughs> walking out with my pizza in hand, excited to get to the car. I don't notice a five foot stretch of just pure ice. Oh, no. I fall and the sidewalk is like, you know, a couple inches off the ground. I fall. My body splays from the top <laughs> sidewalk to the parking space <laughs> under it. Oh. And I just see my pizza shift from my oh, chest. No down to my hand and as I'm falling I swear like it went into like what <laughs> matrix. matrix slow motion mode I save the box in my right hand uh. but I've like fallen in this martyr pose on the sidewalk I'm cold cars honked as they drove by not in a helping way oh. <laughs> and I just as I was laying there I thought I am outside of a cheap pizza place in Arkansas on ice on my butt i am not a graceful person <laughs> i take it back universe i could not do any of the olympic oh, stuff but you caught the pizza you saved you the caught pizza. the pizza you're right and that's why i have such a dilemma today on the swagger, <laughs> the swagger scale, scale because i fell in public uh-huh. but i saved the pizza oh man mm, this is a toughie yeah because yeah i mean falling in public there's no denying it's about as bad as that's, you can get. that's not a great look it's not, no, ideal. It's not. That's not what you want to do <laughs> But falling on the ice, like, I mean, at at least there was a reason, right? Right. Like you didn't just trip over your own feet or something, (laughs) (laughs) which has happened. Right. So the fact that the ice was there and caused it. However, I will say there definitely is like an angle of poetic justice here. Yeah. With your, you know, oh, I could snowboard. Yeah. (laughs) And Mm. the universe kind of teaching you a lesson on that, which we all probably could learn that lesson. Right. We're like, like sitting there on the couch, judging the people. Right. Doing their like, can't you know, believe like, you messed that one really? up. Really, you only went with the 1080. Our you know? chips on like, our sweaters. You could have done the 1440s <laughs> there, yeah. Sean White. Like everybody knows Lame. that the 1440s the better trick. We're like being all judgmental, and then mm-hmm. we just fall on the sidewalk yeah. while holding a pizza. Yeah. I mean that that definitely puts you down into that negative zone that we that we talk about. <laughs> but for me the on the, the swagger scale, but saving the pizza does help out. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. whether that gets you back up into a positive, I mean, it's the thing is, it's still not a net positive experience yeah. <laughs> to fall. Yeah. And like the fact that you save the pizza certainly yeah. makes it better. Yeah. But I don't know if that's enough to get you back into the you positive think? range. I would give What him, do you think, Kara? I would give him a one. Yeah. You know, let's let's just be fair. We've all fallen on the ice. It's true. And you're owning it. 
and also save the pizza. So. Yeah, I'm cool with the one because cool. if yeah. the pizza would have fallen on the ground, what would you have done? Man. Would you have put the pizza back in the box and not told your wife that it happened oh. and be like, here's the pizza. It's fine. It's just a little frosty. 100%. Or would you have gone <laughs> back into happened. the store and bought a new one? I would have put that thing back in the box and told no one. Yeah. <laughs> if I had dropped it, awesome. the story would not be happening. <laughs> we never have talked about this. Like uh, that whole thing about owning our this. awkwardness. Never mind. Doesn't like, apply. Too awkward. <laughs> It is time now for Crushing It, where we celebrate our successes, big or small, and uh, kind of feel like I'm going on the small end of that (laughs) for this week in terms of what I'm crushing. Uh, I'll just be really honest, guys. The last few weeks have not been great for Mm. me, just in general. I've been kind of frustrated with some different things, just personally, at home and at work and different things. And I don't know if you just kind of find yourself getting into sometimes these like phases of life where you just feel like... You don't even necessarily know why, but you're kind of in this rut or this funk Mm. and you're having a hard time pulling yourself out of it. Yes. And that's kind of where I found myself over the last few weeks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I definitely take an approach to those times of I'm going to figure out how to pick myself up and and scoop myself out of this rut that I've fallen Mm. into. And I'm not super great at sharing that burden with other people. Yeah. It's kind of ironic because I've been told all of my life that I'm really good at helping other people when they Mm -hmm. find themselves in this type of position. Uh, Just it's my personality. That's something that I I like to do. And yet every once in a while I get to this point where I'm kind of like, all right, I've, put off my own problems and my own issues Mm -hmm. long enough. And I've been Mm -hmm. focusing on other people's that I've now gotten to this point where I can't fix it anymore or I can't keep going Mm -hmm. like this anymore. So the last couple of weeks I've kind of gotten into this funk and basically just kind of shut down as a result of that and not really talk to people about that. Mm -hmm. And finally my lovely, beautiful, wonderful, (laughs) ever persistent wife (laughs) (laughs) last week just was like, I am not giving up on you and I'm going to pry this out of you and make you talk about this, whether you want to or not. Mm. Heck yeah. And finally got me to that point where she was like, we're going to sit down. I'm going to stare at you awkwardly in the face (laughs) until you open up about this and and talk about what's going on. And the hard thing was I didn't even necessarily know exactly what was going on, Mm. but she knew that I just needed to start talking. Yeah. And so really she crushed it way more than I did in terms of helping me with this. But my crushing it thing for this week is just opening up finally about Mm. some of these things with people. I don't know what it is, why we have such a hard time opening up and being vulnerable when Mm. things aren't going well. But at least for me, I always want to wait until I'm done. Yeah. Right. And then I'll share with people and open up about that thing I went through in the past. But sharing about the thing I'm going through in the present. Yeah. That's a lot harder to do. And the fact that even in just a small way this week, I was kind of able to to fight through that and open up to somebody and talk to somebody about that. That was crushing it for me this week because I don't always get to that point where I can open up. It didn't fix all of the problems sure. right away, but it was amazing how quickly some of that burden felt lifted right. by totally. sharing that with someone else. Yeah, I think that I'm, I'm counting this as a big success, man. I mean, opening yeah. up and talking about something while you're going through it, you can't present someone a win that you had, you know, uh, like yeah. to talk about something like, hey, this is currently going on and you almost feel guilty because you feel like you're asking them to like, fix it for you Mm -hmm. when generally if they really care for you they just want to hear that you're talking about it right (laughs) so Uh, i think that that's awesome that you're talking about it that's great way to go it is time for would you rather we call this the great value brand of role-playing games guys i've picked a good one for you today are you ready oh boy let's go (laughs) would you rather kiss a frog or hug a porcupine Oh, kiss a frog or hug a porcupine. I feel like this one is pretty straightforward for me. (laughs) I'm going to say kiss a frog. Yeah, because there's not pain involved in that. Well, and I am terrified. We're talking about phobias yeah. today, right? <laughs> Things that we're scared of on yeah, the show. Yeah. I am terrified of pain. Well, there's that. I, I am not a fan of like, you know, more pain, more gain. I'm like, yeah. no pain ever, please. It's <laughs> like my no. mantra in life. Ever, ever. And so if it means that I have to do something that could be kind of icky yeah. or yeah. gross, like Fair. kissing a frog, yeah. I would take icky and gross mm. over pain and hurt any day of the week. That's fair. How hypothetical can we get with this? <laughs> 
Take it all the way, Isaac. All the way. So is this porcupine like a, is he an ally? Is he a friend of mine? <laughs> oh. Or is this like a, is this an agitated porcupine? Agitated porcupine. Are we dealing with an angry pork here? That is a good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess if you're having to hug a porcupine I that doesn't like want if, one. If he's my bro, like if you we're cool. Him, you would give him a hug? Yeah, wow. they, look, they look cuddly like from a distance. Wow. They look kind of foofy. A, but I, the quills, I, I'm not, I'm worried about it. I was going to say, I feel like you would be making a massive mistake. <laughs> it's that scene. Isaac's like, sure, I'd hug a porcupine. They're so cute. Nothing like, more so describes sweet. my feelings about this than that scene in Elf where he's like about to hug yes, the raccoon. the raccoon. Looks like someone needs a hug and then just incoming Dies, death yeah. at 90 miles an hour. That would be Isaac. So <laughs> I, I'm going to assume out of fairness for this question that yeah. this porcupine does not want to be hugged. Yeah, that's probably And fair I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to kiss that frog. <laughs> And the frog that, probably doesn't want to be kissed, either, you know, right? It's true. You know, if that frog doesn't even transform into anything. Yeah, you'll kiss be it. okay with that. This is about acceptance. Okay, <laughs> let's let's just say for a minute. Can I add like a little potential yeah, hypothetical go, here? Yes. Though? What if you kiss the frog and it does transform? Oh. Like into, say, like a princess or something. <laughs> oh. Right? We're both married. Yeah. Okay. Oh, snap. So you kiss the frog and all of a sudden you've got a princess that thinks. And you have problems. That you, oh, yeah, you just freed her. And according to like the laws of Disney, I'm pretty sure <laughs> at that point, like you're, you're to- betrothed or something. I don't, I don't know exactly the, oh, how that works, Probably, but true. I feel like that's basically what happens. Seems about right. Is at that point you're betrothed to the frog oh, princess man. and you have a wife who's probably not going to be super thrilled oh, no. yeah. about that. So yeah. like, so in that case, now you're know. in a pickle. Yeah. I think between the pain of explaining to breathe it. <laughs> I've kissed another woman or hugging a porcupine. You're gonna. I'm gonna go with porcupine. All, all of a sudden, hugging a porcupine doesn't seem so bad because I'm like, uh, honey. So, so here's so the thing. There's this is Alondria, princess. I was really of- afraid of hugging a porcupine, so I kissed this princess frog. And now she totally thinks we're oh, going to get yeah. married and oh, I don't know what to do. Oh, man. I feel like my wife would be like, okay, we can figure this out. Yeah. And yeah. then, I don't know, she'd oh, probably no. come up with some sort of plan to like yeah, murder the princess <laughs> or something. Yeah. yeah. We can deal with this. Yeah. At that point, we've gotten rid of the princess in some way that's yeah. not good. The police are after <laughs> us. So I have to like quit my job. You've become a super villain. And go on the run yeah. and live as a fugitive. <laughs> Oh my gosh. All of that from kissing a frog. So maybe a few quills. Maybe this porcupine in my face after all. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe a few quills are, are worth the pain. Today on The Conversation, we're talking about phobias and fear and maybe fear of phobias, (laughs) which I definitely have. Mm. If there's one fear that I have, it's a fear of being afraid. Among other things, I feel like there's no shortage of things that I'm afraid of. What are some things that you have a phobia of? If there's one thing that you had to pick, like, Uh, I'm afraid of fill in the blank, what would it be? Well, I like to think that I'm not afraid of this. But then in reality, when I find myself in these situations, I'm like, yeah, you're totally afraid of that. Heights. (laughs) Yeah. Be that for me. Classic fear of heights. I know. I like to think that I'm cool and it's not that big a deal. Uh But then like we were watching some of the skiers, the the ski. What's the ski Ski jumping? Ski jumping. Yes. Yes. Where they start at this top of this death hill and they yeah. like go down and then they jump, you know, 50 feet. They jump like over like, the length of a football field. Yes. It is ridiculous. They're in the and air for 10 minutes. And they're like, <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. And they showed like a camera angle from the top looking down uh-huh. and I just watching it on TV and I was like, stop it. No, no. So I'm kind of a wimp. See, I mean, I think the fear of heights at least makes sense. That's like if irrational. you from a great height, you're going to die. True. That's worth being afraid of. Yeah. yeah. See, I have some fears that I feel like are less rational than that like mm-hmm. one of mine is i am afraid of ovens <laughs> <laughs> okay i do not like ovens go on <laughs> and i think there was a traumatic experience in my childhood uh-huh. where i was helping my mom with something oh no and i was putting something in the oven and my wrist i had like a oh, an oven mitt on but it yeah. didn't cover my wrist baby ants and wrist yes no. I, I, I touched the baby ants and wrist no. to the <laughs> to the oven rack and what? got a burn on my wrist oh, the underside ow. of my wrist that's the worst from touching part the too. oven rack oh. and it hurt <laughs> well yeah and ever since then i've been like i hate ovens <laughs> do you just evil. instinctively cuff your I wrist i just don't <laughs> i like i don't even mess with ovens okay i like cooking yeah i, yeah. I cook a lot at home but I don't do baking. 
I don't bake things. That's like I will go out of my oh, way to man. cook something on like a stovetop or oh. even a grill or something else that's also very hot or Interesting. involves flames or yeah. whatever yeah. because I don't want to mess with the oven. Man. I finally one day, like not very long into our marriage, had to have this conversation with my wife and she's like, hey, can you stick that in the oven for me? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> she's like, just flat out refused. She's like, just put the tray of vegetables in the oven, You're dude. Like, and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't do that. I don't do ovens. <laughs> I don't do ovens. And she's like, what the heck are you talking about? So I had to explain that and that was plenty embarrassing. Oh, that's I mean, compared to say, like a grill where yeah. there's like an open flame that's You're threatening not afraid the, of that. I mean, people have scorched their eyebrows yeah. off with grills yeah, and I'm like, nah, propane, grill, whatever. I'm good. Fine. I mean, I take proper safety precautions. I'm not like getting crazy and like pouring lighter fluid on them and stuff. But I don't know. Something about ovens. I just, I'm not a fan (laughs) of ovens. See, but yours is still related to like a pain at one point or another. Yeah. 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 Mine is completely irrational, but I do this every morning. It's part of my morning routine. (laughs) Bree pointed this out to me. Okay. Okay. And it was in the process of explaining myself that I realized this is dumb, but I'm afraid of it. So I'm going to keep doing it. (laughs) I check my shoes. Hand goes in. They, I clack them on the ground because I'm afraid of having spiders in my shoes. <laughs> I remember being a kid. My dad had this dingy pair of like Nike sneakers. Oh. They were his favorite dad shoes. Picture a dad shoe. You got it. He brought them in from the garage one day and he was replacing the sole in them. And I watch his hand go in. He goes, whoa, he drops the shoe and a spider crawls out. No, he swats the spider and then a horde of baby spiders no! went over my kitchen. <laughs> That's and, the worst. And I think as like a kid going, oh, I'm remembering this forever. <laughs> it, it, okay. It See, you're burned. talking about trauma. That's again, a trauma right? too. Like, yeah, but it didn't hurt me. Like it, yeah, it no, never. No, no, no. That's, no, 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 it hurt you. That's, <laughs> <laughs> those baby spiders, they got into your Are brain. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, that? baby spiders crawling all over the place. So That's now, hurtful. That's okay. <laughs> So being married now, my wife noticed that I was sliding my hand gingerly into my shoe every morning, so funny. clacking them on the ground. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm, <laughs> I'm checking for spiders. Like, that's a normal that's thing a normal people thing. do. <laughs> and she's like, no, I don't check. And I'm like, well, you're going to regret it. Like, you pop Someday. your foot in there and the hairy maw of death is in there. <laughs> have you ever had a repeat incident where you've checked and there has been one? Oh. No, but I have left a pair of shoes outside. They were my favorite shoes. Okay. Oh. They were a pair of Adidas that I loved. And I noticed a spider was on them. I uh, threw them in uh, the dumpster. <laughs> I, seriously? Did, I seriously did. Oh my I have gosh. lost a pair of shoes to this. Kara just spit water all over herself. <laughs> Kara did a real spit take. <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> no, we were outside. We went hiking and I really liked these shoes. And um, I left them outside of my front door in my apartment. Oh my God. There is a tiny black spider. I live next to a dumpster and I just go, no. I Wow. That is intense. Oh, oh my gosh. So, yeah. Because there might be baby spiders. There might there. be baby spiders. So they're going. There they're was going one time. This is probably going to just totally wreck you forever. No, no. But there was one time when I uh, was getting dressed in the morning and I grabbed a shirt no! off of the hanger. <laughs> Coming to work shirtless tomorrow. And, and I, I put the shirt on and I was like, oh, what was that? And I like Stop. reach my hand up. No shirt. No. There was a spider in my dress shirt. No. no, no. Yeah, I would have set myself on fire. <laughs> Not okay. I mean, I don't really struggle with a fear of spiders that much, but but. That's, when that happened, I was like, one. okay, that's not cool. That's not okay. It takes one. Look, spiders, Aww. I was okay with you. We kind of had an <laughs> understanding of each other, but you got to stay out of my shirt. Gotta go. That's not, gotta go. like that crosses the line a little bit. I'm breaking out the flamethrower, you okay? Don't, you don't live here anymore. So so we've got oh uh, some of these phobias, obviously, that we, we live with, right? Fear right. of heights, fear of spiders, fear of ovens. <laughs> Just feel stupid <laughs> saying that. <laughs> But let's go for a minute and talk about what is fear? Like, what does that mean to us? The the dictionary definition of fear, I I had to look this up because I was just curious. It says fear is an unpleasant emotion, (laughs) which I'm kind of like, yeah, with like spiders in your shirt. That's an understatement. that's, That's unpleasant. An unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain, yeah. a threat or will harm you. And I thought that was interesting because think about something that we say like is an irrational fear. 
Mm-hmm. Like the fear of ovens. I'm to the point now where I have a pretty good understanding that the risk of actually being caused pain or being hurt is low. And yet I still think I'm kind of afraid of it. Yeah. Uh, one kind of interesting thread that seems to be running through at least Isaac and I's fears. I don't know about your fear of heights, Kara, <laughs> is that there's some sort of trigger event that's happened maybe at some point in the past Mm -hmm. to cause this fear to persist. Even if currently we understand technically like a a spider in your shoe doesn't really cause a threat in terms of harm to your body. Like a a spider isn't going to physically hurt you or kill you. It's just going to make you afraid. Right. So what does that mean? Is there something more to fear than just Mm -hmm. the threat of danger? Does it go deeper than that? I mean, I think a lot of the things I'm afraid of are not, necessarily these tangible spiders, heights, whatever. Mm. A lot of my fear centers around being rejected. There is something underneath that. Why are we afraid of that? Because we feel like in order to survive, we need to be accepted. Right. And so there's this like deep, if I'm rejected, like I'm not going to be okay. Totally. So yeah, I think there is definitely something deeper to all of our fears, whether it's a spider yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Maybe it's like a threat to our well-being. Yeah. Even if it's not like that's going to actively hurt me physically. Right. It's going to hurt my well-being. Yeah. yeah. I think tying fear directly to just your physical well-being is a little bit too specific. Your emotional health is every bit as important as your physical health. Mm-hmm. Sure. That mm-hmm. Something that can harm you emotionally, like whether it's rejection or a traumatic event. Being afraid of those things, I feel like, is a logical thing to be. And that's interesting because we often talk about illogical fears and Mm -hmm. irrational fears, Mm -hmm. but a lot of fears seem pretty logical. logical. Even the examples we kind of tried to come up with of like, here's an irrational fear of ovens or spiders in my shoes. There's still a reasoning behind why that happened. So are they really that irrational? Mm, No, it doesn't really sound like it. There's probably a reason for all of our fears. There's some sort of trigger, like you're saying something that has caused us to be super afraid of that thing from an experience where we experienced it and and said that hurt that was really bad i don't want that to happen again i feel like everyone has their own unique thing like that like Mm -hmm. they have their own kind of like quirky fear of something Mm -hmm. yeah well we all have those experiences that have shaped us right Mm -hmm. as i think about this definition of being afraid of this unpleasant experience that's likely to cause pain we're talking about pain as something that goes way deeper than just physical pain yeah right one thing that i think could be an interesting avenue to explore is perhaps the things that cause us the most fear are the things that we think are going to cause us the most pain Mm. so what is most painful for you, right? Like is the idea of being physically hurt something that sounds like the most painful is rejection. The thing that sounds like the most painful experience, perhaps feeling ashamed is the thing that you're like, no, that's the most painful experience I could go through. Mm. I wonder if that's kind of where our fears fall. If we really think about it, the things that we think are going to be the most painful for us and different people have different pain tolerances when it comes to different things. Right. So let's pick one of those emotions like, um, like shame, shame is painful for anyone, but maybe for me, that sounds a little less painful than this emotion over here. Yeah. And for someone else, they say, no, shame is like the most painful thing mm-hmm. I can imagine. And that's wow. why my fears all revolve around this area. I feel like I'm learning. I'm like, what? I'm shook over here. <laughs> We've shook Kara. <laughs> I think that we each carry a thing that we're comfortable with that could easily be someone else's greatest fear. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. shame. Like I know several people who can get up and just say an embarrassing story doesn't bother them one bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I know someone else who like the proverbial, like getting caught with your pants down with something is like their single worst fear to the point right. that they hate learning new things because mm. they're like ashamed of inexperience. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think being mindful of what affects you on like the deeper level of fear can lead to getting better at it mm-hmm. or at least getting to a level of acceptance where you can say, okay, this is my deep fear. Once I've put a face and a name to it, you can process it better. So we're talking about this idea of fear linking itself to pain and us being afraid of feeling the most pain. But are there situations where fear could actually be a good thing? Mm. Or do you think fear is no fear is always a bad thing and it's something that we should try to either avoid or overcome? Is there a situation where fear could actually serve us well? I have mixed feelings about this because I've struggled with fear a lot in my life. I'm a very anxious person at times. And my counselor one time said to me, fear is just a sign that something is important to you. You're about to take a risk. 
And that thing is important. And mm. I was like, oh, well, that's really interesting. And so her thought was, it's like a signal, right? Hey, this thing is important to you. Pay attention. Do something about this. Yeah. So that's an interesting perspective. But on the other hand, fear can take over your life yeah. and become incredibly damaging. Right. So I don't know. I struggle with that balance of trying to like make some space to say, this is a real thing. This is happening. Like, I want to be honest about this. I want to bring this into God's presence, mm-hmm. but also like treating it seriously enough to deal with it. Right. But I have heard that phrase used before of like a, a healthy fear of something. Like, let's talk about like a really benign example of like heights. Right. Like you're standing near a cliff and you're afraid of heights. Mm. Biologists might say like survival, survival mm-hmm. instinct kicks in yeah. and you say you being afraid of going over to the edge of the cliff is a good thing because if you weren't afraid of it, you might fall off of it. Right. Right. right? So is that something that constitutes a healthy fear when you're taking it from an example of like physical personal safety i don't go near cliff edges that don't have a safety railing like that's obviously a good thing that nature has dropped into us (laughs) fears that are a little bit harder to grasp like the fear of social interaction or maybe like a fear of being vulnerable i think that fear on that level is bad but good can come from it. Overcoming a fear of social interaction can leave you feeling incredibly good. You Mm. can say like, hey, that was a small interaction that I just had, but that was a moment where I absolutely overcame my fear to reach out to someone who I've wanted to be friends with, or maybe that fear of opening up to someone. Anson, like you talked about earlier, you used a bad thing and made good come from it. Is there a difference maybe between the idea of like respecting something and being afraid Mm. of it? Yeah. Like I respect the fact that that's a very large cliff and if I fall (laughs) off of it, I will die. Or if I touch that hot burner, it will hurt me. But I'm not afraid of hot burners. I know that they could hurt me and I don't touch them as a result. But that's not necessarily a fear-driven response. It's a respect and understanding driven Mm. response. And in some ways, I think if we understand something, it kind of reduces the fear of it. Because a large part of fear for me comes from unknown aspects of something. If I understand like the burner is hot, you touch the burner, it hurts you. But it's relatively simple to put a pan on the burner without hurting yourself. And that's okay. And that so having like a proper respect for something Mm. and understanding like, yes, there's the potential for this to hurt me if I'm not careful with it or if I don't respect it. That's different to me than being afraid of it and saying like, I can't bring myself to interact with this thing or come anywhere near it because what if I get hurt? Hmm. You say healthy fear. And I think of something like tornadoes. I think control has another thing to say about this too. I think a lot of us fear what we can't control, which is Mm. pretty much everything. There's this perception of something like with a burner, that's sort of like power under control, right? Mm -hmm. When there's something that enters into our life that is outside of our control. That's much bigger than us and yes. more powerful. In some ways, it's wise to take shelter, you right. know, mm-hmm. yeah. when there's a tornado. Some people might call that healthy fear to say, oh, well, yeah, mm-hmm. you're supposed to go and hide, run and hide, go right. be safe. I don't know. Letting that fear control us then yes. maybe is kind of where things start to take a maybe a left turn. Well, let's talk about kind of this idea. I wanted to bring this up because I think this is so interesting and so difficult to work through at the same time. Yeah. One of the most oft repeated commands in scripture is do not fear. Mm. It's repeated everywhere by Jesus, by all sorts of characters in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, you look at, say, like the story of Jesus's birth. The phrase do not fear shows up repeatedly. Every single time an angel shows up to someone, they say, do not fear. That's like the first words out of their mouth. We're told that we're not to fear. And it seems to me, I'm not a theologian, but it seems to me that it's said as a command. Yeah. It's not even really just like a suggestion. It's like, no, don't. Don't do this. Don't yeah. be afraid. But we're afraid of everything. Like I think if we're honest, like yeah, yeah. The fear is something that we all deal with. So how do you respond to that? How do you deal with this command that shows up in scripture? We can't ignore it because it's all over the place. So what do we do with this idea of do not fear? This hits really close to me because Second Timothy 1.7, this is one of the few verses that I can just like spout off because I know it so well. Mm-hmm. It's been spoken to me my entire life. I'm someone who deals with anxiety, depression. God has not given us a spirit of fear, love and power and a sound mind. I've had that in my head since birth almost. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I've reasoned it out with like this fear that I'm feeling, be it social anxiety or just a general sense of uneasiness. I can recognize like the Bible says this isn't from God. And that's always been kind of the fuel for conquering fears for me. It's like, this isn't me in my best form right now when I'm living in fear. Mm. So it's kind of fuel to Mm. find a path. How can I overcome this? Basically, I uh, this is a tough subject for me. 
immediately, because I've struggled with anxiety and shame of that anxiety a lot of my life, sometimes when I hear somebody talking about that command, do not worry, and somebody says, well, there's 365 times he said, don't yeah. be afraid. And mm-hmm. that's one, one, one for every day of the year. So stop being afraid, dang it. <laughs> like, Well, thanks. That's helpful. I just, uh, I hate the idea of heaping more shame on someone who's already mm. withering under the weight of something they feel like they cannot get out from under. Yeah. And that is sometimes what that command feels like. Yeah. At least it has to me. On the other hand, <laughs> Uh, I hate this. I will be the first to admit I sometimes take the opposite approach and I'm just like, it's fine. I can worry. It's not a big deal. This is just who I am. This is how I work. This is how I'm wired and whatever. Like, don't tell me I can't do this because it's so hard not to. And I I think there's something in between those two extremes. And there's there's this reality that, all right, yeah, this is not good for me. It's destroying my life. So there's maybe a reason that God said, hey, I want to set you free from this. Like, I want to get involved in this and get you out of its grip. And so I have to acknowledge that it's a thing in order for that to happen. Right. Yeah. But uh. (laughs) (laughs) so many well-meaning people can drop scripture like that and be like, well, why are you afraid? And they have no idea that it can be almost impossible not to be afraid about certain things. So to heap on the shame, like you said, of, well, why are you afraid? That's not from Jesus. Right. 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 Yeah. It feels like it's so dismissive of your right of reality is what it feels like when Mm. people just kind of throw something in your face like that. You're like, yeah, but you don't understand me. Like you don't know what this feels like to be inside my body and inside my brain and Mm -hmm. feel these things. But once again, that doesn't mean I'm not supposed to deal with it, that I can just let it take over my life. And I think one of the things that we have to keep in mind as we read this command is this command is coming from, from God, not from other people. Other people may repeat it to us and try to make it sound like it's coming from them. Mm -hmm. But ultimately this is something that, that God is, is telling us do not be afraid. And if God is telling us that we have to understand the character and nature and intent of God as he's speaking those words to us, God wants freedom for us, not bondage. Mm-hmm. And when we hear the words, do not be afraid and think of it as accusatory, that sounds like bondage. You're shackling me with guilt and shame and more fear, right? right? But that's not what God wants for us. God wants freedom. And if we understand that intent, then I think the words do not be afraid could potentially take on a little bit of a different meaning sure. yeah. from going, stop being so afraid, uh, tying us to more guilt and shame to do not be afraid because there's freedom and I'm going to give it to you. As I was thinking about this, the story that stuck out to me most is the story of when the disciples get in the boat and they go out on the water and Jesus isn't with them, but the water is calm. The sun is out and they're not afraid. Why? Mm -hmm. They're not afraid because the water is calm. Right. And because everything appears fine, they appear to be safe, but then a storm comes and the waves rise up and Mm -hmm. the winds start howling And what happens? They become afraid. Why weren't they afraid at first? And now they are because of their circumstances, essentially, Mm -hmm. because early on their circumstances were fine. And now the circumstances are not fine. Right. right? Then Jesus shows up and essentially saves them, calms the waters. Mm -hmm. If their faith was in Jesus from the beginning, as in, okay, we're not afraid because we know God is with us. Mm. The circumstances don't matter as much. Whether the waves are choppy or whether the waves are smooth, that fear doesn't have to be there because Jesus is in the boat, right? Right. If if God's with us in the boat, there's not as much to worry about. If God's not with us in the boat, (laughs) sometimes we may not feel afraid, but our confidence is actually misplaced because we Mm. placed our confidence in the fact that things are going fine. Right. And this is what happens to me. I get to this point where when things are going smooth, I forget about fear mm. and I go, I'm good. I have confidence. I feel great. But my confidence is misplaced because mm. it's placed in my circumstances, which means when things don't go well and the storm comes, all of a sudden that fear kicks into a really high fever pitch Yeah, because that whole entire time, my lack of fear wasn't really what I thought it was because it was placed Mm. in the wrong thing. That's a big thing for me is realizing that I got to make sure that my faith is placed in the right thing because otherwise when the storms come, I'm going to be rocked Mm. uh, by it because uh, I've put my faith in my circumstances and those aren't going to hold up over time. Mm. 
I think it's interesting what you just said about Jesus being in the boat. And of course, like we've heard that phrase and we're kind of like, yeah, okay. Well, I think a lot of times when we first encounter fear, our instinct is to throw like action steps at it Mm. and be like, here's the list that you need to do. And here's how you can cope with it. And that can be helpful. But I read something today that said fear is a personal matter. And so we have to fight it by getting to know a person. A person is the answer to fear. So like you're saying Jesus is in the boat. Having someone with you who is more powerful than the thing that you're going through, that's what we need. Right. But if you're like Jesus in the boat and I'm like, who Jesus? Like what's, (laughs) okay, what's that mean? Like if I don't actually know, I think sometimes when people talk about the character of God and why this makes a difference, I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. (laughs) But they're saying like, if you don't know the person that's with you, you're not going to feel safe. Right, right. A huge part of us fighting our fear is getting to know this person who Mm -hmm. says to us, don't be afraid. Right. Be like, well, why? Who are you to tell me not to be afraid? Why should I not be afraid? And I love this statement from uh, Ed Welch. Uh, He wrote a book called Running Scared. He said, the God who calls you to trust him when you're afraid will spend a great deal of time showing you that you can trust him. There it is right there. Like that's the word that was like reverberating through my head as you talked is trust. Right. Right. When you know someone, you trust them. Right. And if we go back a few minutes, you said a little bit ago that for you, fear kicks in when there are things that you cannot control when you're no longer in control. Mm -hmm. And if we trust that Jesus is stronger than the storm that we're facing, then it follows that he's in control, yeah. right? But we have to trust that. We have to believe that. And if he's in the boat with us and he's bigger than the storm, okay, the fear starts to evaporate a little bit yeah. because mm-hmm. we know that he can leverage control over the thing that we're going through. Mm-hmm. But if we don't know the person of Jesus yeah. and we don't have that trust, yeah. which for all of us is a lot of the time, yeah. Yeah. then that's when the fear is going to come in because we go, is he really in control? Yeah. Like, Cause this feels pretty out of control. Mm-hmm. And that's something that recurs to me, even as I've gone through the process of trying to get closer and trust God more. Like mm-hmm. if you're listening to this, you're not someone who's a believer. That is something that you're listening to going, well, why don't you just like read the Bible for what it says, accept <laughs> Christ and stop fearing things? The well, end. yeah, this holy book that we take stock in does say we shouldn't fear, but that is as a result of daily reminding yourself, whatever happens today, the God that I serve and worship is bigger than that. Right. And that mm-hmm. is something I have to do every single day, like remind mm-hmm. myself, whatever's happening today, I'm not supposed to be afraid because Jesus is in the proverbial boat with me in this. <laughs> But that's something that Christians have to do every single day. It's not a one-off right. you know, mm-hmm. prescription that takes care of fear. You respond to things either with fear or with knowing that as a believer, God's bigger than this. Yeah. I mean, think about it this way. If it was as easy as reading the words, do not fear, and then we would get that, yeah. mm-hmm. would there be a need for it to be repeated so often through right. scripture? Exactly. I mean, we'd only need that once, right? Yeah. Part of the reason in my head why this command is so repeated, do not fear over and over and over and over again, is probably because we need to hear it yeah. over and yeah. over and over and over again. Exactly. Right? If God knew that fear was going to be a dominating force in our lives, there's reason to talk about that and to encourage us and to say, I am with you. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not fear. You don't have to be afraid because I'm here. I'm for you. I'm with you. That has to be repeated again and again and again, because it takes a lot and a lot of repetition Mm -hmm. for that to permeate my skull. The answer (laughs) is not strategies and trying hard and all of that. The answer is presence. The answer is I am with you. I am with you. The more you get to know someone, the more you trust them. My on repeat this week is Where You Go by Marshall Marshall. This is another one of those examples of music that I never would have heard were it not for this wonderful <laughs> this radio makes station. Me so happy Yay. that oh. you keep picking pop trash <laughs> for your on repeats. It just warms my heart. I want to build a Spotify playlist called Anson's Pop Trash and like put my favorite songs in there because, oh my gosh, I'll listen to some of the new songs that we're adding in and I'll go like, Marshall, Marshall, what kind of Brady Bunch kind of (laughs) band name here? Uh, 
I listened to it and then I just begrudgingly groove to it as it like <laughs> begrudgingly as the groove. <laughs> oh yeah. This yeah. is okay, I guess. Lyrical content, this is one of those songs. I looked up this band and they champion themselves as positive indie electronic music. That's hmm. a good description for this. That's interesting. It's, With every step I take beside you, I'm learning how to trust the path we take. Positive lyrics, mm. and it's something that I can really get behind on those days where I need a musical pick-me-up because it's just kind of a crappy day, and this is nice music to kind of lift you up. My on-repeat this week is Belong by Cash Cash and, drumroll please, Dashboard Confessional. You, you belong with me, and I'm along with you. All right, so this song uh, I picked as my on repeat this week, not because it's super deep or anything like that. <laughs> it actually kind of sounds like a little bit of a summer jam, but it was released in winter. I'm cool with that. I feel like yeah. sometimes we need some summer jams outside of summer. Yeah. And it's just one of those songs that is a toe tapping kind of song. And that's really the extent of it. But the exciting thing for me about this song is Dashboard Confessional, right? <laughs> Where did they come from? Right. I mean, I was super into Dashboard Confessional like 15 years ago <laughs> or whenever that was. I remember when I first started dating my wife, she was a big Dashboard Confessional oh, fan. Yeah. Oh. Uh, because in the early 2000s, I mean, they were big time. Yeah. And now it's been 15 years and they kind of dropped off the face of the planet. So and funny. now I guess they're kind of doing a comeback thing. They're making a comeback album. And uh, for this song, they teamed together with Cash Cash, which as we've talked about on the show before I kind of have a soft spot in my heart for like electro pop music mm -hmm. yep. and cash cash. That's pretty much what they are. Mm -hmm. So they've kind of combined like the kind of dashboard confessional esque stylings mm -hmm. that they had back in the day with kind of this new dance electronic infused pop music thing. That's super popular today. And the song is kind of this result of this kind of almost weird mashup of the two. It feels like it shouldn't work, but it does. It, it does. totally does. It's, yeah. It's a good driving song. It yeah. is when a good driving song. When you're in the car, song. you turn up the music while you're driving. Yeah. They're talking about getting They're in a car yeah. and getting on the open road and driving. For, I mean, yeah. how many songs talked about that? Yeah. <laughs> Probably we didn't need another one of those. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. But maybe also we did. Awesome. My on repeat this week is Broken Love by Built by Titan. love this song. I feel like it's kind of in a similar genre to the other two we've mentioned today. This like electro pop dancey mm -hmm. music. It's so fun and Anson knows I like this song because every time we're in the studio and, and it comes on I like to reach over and turn the volume way up and same thing in my car. I just love it. It's got some fun elements in it besides the typical like mm -hmm. techno pop. It's mm. got orchestral stuff going on and like orchestral electro music is my jam. I'm like more, bring me more, please. <laughs> Feed me. <laughs> exactly. So it also has this interesting like, I think it's in the bridge where there's almost this like Indian vibe to yes. it and it's really cool yeah. so I love it I love all of those things and then on top of that you've got some really cool lyrics one of the parts says if you ever feel small or think you're nobody you won't need to chase stars to have a reason to dance so dance floating on a river sailing through the clouds any moment they'll be hoping just to pull you down but you've got to hold on hold on hold on so it's a really fun, upbeat song basically telling you, like, hang in there, hold on. You don't have to chase stars to have a reason to dance. Go ahead and just dance to this song. Just live in this moment. Take your time. It's going to be okay. So yeah. Broken Love, it's, it's a great song. Well, that about wraps up episode three for Real Talk. We have uh, conquered our fears. That's a problem that's now in the past. Wow. We won't have to deal with that anymore. I feel really good now that I don't fear wow. anything. Isn't, isn't that right, Kara? Is that, yeah, that's was, was that, is that the right conclusion exactly to draw? Exactly how that works. I'm going to put my shoes on tomorrow with Maybe. no fear. Yeah. No, exactly. seriously. It, it certainly is. This is not one of those subjects where we talk about it once. We're like, okay, yeah. problem Done. solved. Right. But mm -hmm. I think the goal with these types of things is to say, can we take a step forward? Mm. Can we learn something? Yeah. 
can we make progress in an area? And if there's a command that says, do not fear, all right, let's take our best shot at it. And part of how we can do that is by learning and discussing together. And I feel like we did that today. So thanks for the discussion, guys. It was really good. Yeah. On a lighter note, since my show for this season is 30 Rock, <laughs> I feel a need to share some wisdom from Liz oh, Lemon. We've got a tradition going now. Baby. Ah, yeah. So Liz Lemon says, yes to love, yes to life, yes to staying in more. Thanks for listening to the Real Talk podcast from Real FM. Wake up with Isaac from 7 to 10 a.m. and catch Real Talk with Anson and Kara from 4 to 7 p.m. Live every weekday on Real FM Radio. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent or reflect the views of John Brown University, KLRC Radio, or Real FM.